listening to another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. I love that as Christians, um, Sunday and what we do here is not compartmentalized to just a short service. Like we don't just tick the box and go, all right, we've done that. We've, we've prayed this week or we've read a little bit of our word. But I love that it's the very core of who we are as people. That we can't go into life without God's word, especially in the world that we live in today where there's no absolute truth. Come on, we need the absolute truth of God's will to ground us. Uh, prayer, I mean, come on, it's got to be the breath to who we are. And uh, today we get to go back to the basics and look at the church, which I'm really excited about because I love the church. And uh, I know for many of us, maybe this is your first time here. Again, a massive welcome. Uh, we love having new people a part of this place because we really just think that church should be a place for everyone whether you've come to meet Jesus yet or not, or you, you believe or you don't, everyone's on a journey. So we just want to make sure that you're welcome. Uh, maybe, maybe you're new to this church thing as well, and you're just kind of trying to figure out faith and figure out what church is and how it rolls. Well, it's a really good series to be in. And then maybe for you, you're just, you, you've been here for years. And my prayer today is not that uh, we put up this high expectation of what you're, what what we say church is, but that I'd really just share my heart and my story around around church and then look at God's Word and how God sees the church. Um, because if anyone's heard my story, I basically grew up a church kid. Uh, Dad and mum, they dragged me to church my whole life, kicking and screaming sometimes. Uh, as I got older and went to youth, I kind of enjoyed it. But at the age of 14, I made a pretty strong and determined decision that I didn't really need God a part of my world. And I especially didn't need the church. Uh, I saw a lot of things in church that uh, I guess were mishandled and church hasn't always been done in the best of ways. Uh, I've experienced that myself. And so at the age of 14, I'm like, I don't need this church thing. I don't need this God thing. Uh, I'm going to walk away from this whole thing. And, and so my life looked very different going forward from that because I kind of left the faith thing behind. Uh, and I kind of was one of those kids who just got up to all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, every weekend I, I started to party and, and drink a lot and smoke and get high and I uh, found myself in a very angry place in life. I found myself pretty broken, uh, living from moment to moment, uh, basically just trying to get to the next thing. And uh, all because for me, I, I, took, I, I kind of just thought, well, if, if church isn't going to be real and if church isn't going to be authentic and, and I can't really trust God, I made this decision to go, well, I'm just going to throw this in the bin. And uh, at the age of 18, God arrested my heart again. Uh, when I was 18, I hit a rock bottom and I came back to God and, and I found that actually that God loved me so much, contrary to sometimes the way that people had shown me God's love and, and shown what God was, I, I found that God was loving, that God was merciful, that God was forgiving, that God redeems us. And uh, the, I started to walk this journey out with Jesus. And as I've walked this journey out with Jesus, every single day I've fallen more in love with what Jesus is in love with. And what I've come to find is that Jesus is totally in love with His church. And so along this journey, I've fallen more in love with the church. And today I'm, I'm more in love with the church than ever before. But for me, it has been a journey. It's been a journey because uh, things haven't always been perfect. And I haven't had, uh, I, I guess, a, a perfect upbringing in it. But I wanted to, to share a little bit of that today and, and just um, pray that, you know, for all of us today that 
Maybe we haven't arrived in that area yet and maybe we still have hurts and we still have things that we've gone through. That I just want to pray that, you know, sorry, my prayer is coming into today that we really just have an open heart to where God would lead us in this. That we wouldn't close those areas off. That we'd be open for God to come and speak and bring His healing and bring His hand and bring His touch. And uh, here at Life, we believe that the church isn't just a house that we attend. Uh, we believe that it's a home. And uh, the, the difference between a house and a, and a home is, is pretty drastic because when we see God's uh, church as just a house, we see it as something that we just rock up to on a Sunday. We tick the box. Uh, we do the, the church thing. We put on our church clothes. Uh, we get all dressed up. We go. We have a good time. And then we go home. But when we see God's church as a home, there's another level of ownership that takes place. It becomes a place where family is created. It comes, becomes a place where we actually do life together. It becomes a place where we look after one another. When, we're hurt, when someone's hurting, I'm hurting. When someone's broken, I'm breaking. And we're all doing life together and moving forward. So I think it's amazing. And um, also in the Bible, the Bible says that uh, actually the Greek word for church in the Bible is this Greek word called ecclesia. And uh, this word ecclesia in its very basic meaning, is literally meant a gathering of citizens called out from their homes, called out from uh, their personal lives into a public place or an assembly. It's a collective gathering of God's people. And uh, I love that even throughout the church and throughout the Bible that we've seen that God has always moved through communities, that God never moved in isolation, that God never just chose one man to do uh, his thing, but he called people, he called Abraham Isaac and Jacob who gave birth to the nation of Israel and through the nation of Israel God blessed the world and God brought about Jesus and through Jesus the church is birthed and I love that the church isn't God's uh, plan B it's his first call to action and even when it's failed God still believes in it and is calling it to more and uh, so I'm just going to pray today and then we'll get into the word father we just thank you for today God, I pray right now that you speak into our lives and into our hearts, God. I pray, Lord, maybe where there has been hurt and there has been pain in this area, God, I pray for healing. God, I pray, God, that we'd leave today more in love with your church. God, that you'd, that you'd leave us more passionate about it today than when we walked in, God. I pray that it wouldn't just be a house that we attend, God, but it'd be a home, Lord, that we come to, a home that we find family in, a home, God, that we serve, a home that we're a part of. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Whoop. There we go. So I've got a question for you. Have you ever found yourself in a place where it may be awkward or maybe you've never been there before and you're just like, what am I doing here? Anyone here today? Well, about six years ago, I found myself um, in this house that I'd never been to before. Uh, I got taken there by a girl I was dating at the time who is now my wife, Talia. And uh, I rocked up to this house actually to meet the family. Um, I had been there before, just not officially, but uh, I was going there this night. I oh, know, yep, got a cough, but I thought I'd be honest there. Um, but I was going there this night to have a family dinner with these guys, and the owner of this house, uh, his name is Sergio. Uh, now my wonderful father-in-law, love him to bits, but at the time he was Sergio. Uh, if you've never met Sergio, best guy, honestly, but looks like the roughest bloke in town. And so he lives in a place called Meadow Heights, which is just a little bit further than Broadmeadows. 
kind of gets a bit worse as you go. And uh, skin, bald head, tattoos, rough as guts. And uh, so I love him. I'm not downplaying him. He's just an amazing man. I want to be like him. That's why I shaved my head when I got married. But um, just to impress him. I had to impress him. So I rock up to meet him and uh, we're at this family dinner and uh, I sit down and we're sitting there and no one's really talking to me. He's quite quiet. The rest of the family, I'm the first guy that Talia's dated, by the way, and brought home. Or maybe the first guy she brought home. Um, yeah, oh, that, that's a good one. And, uh, and so we rock up to this family dinner and for about half an hour, it's just awkward. He's watching uh, a TV show called Family Guy, which I'm not that into, but he thinks it's hilarious. So he's watching it and he's just laughing and laughing and I'm just sitting there. And like, if you, if you got the table right here, like he's there, the TV's behind me and I'm sitting here just eating and he's just laughing over the top of me, but not speaking to me. So it's, it's, it's quite an awkward experience. Um, and so I'm trying to make conversation. It's not really getting anywhere. And so being at an Italian's house, I thought, well, there's only one thing you've got to do and you just got to eat. So that's one way to impress some Italians. So <laughs> I ate as much as I could and, uh, and filled my stomach up and it was great. They were quite impressed. So I had to keep that up. Um, Talia's mum after that would literally just start bringing everything that she'd made that night and dumping it on my plate continuously. Um, if, you, if you know what happened after that, I'll put on a few kilos, which uh, I've worked off now. But um, great night, great night, great experiences. A lot of sweat. Uh, it was fantastic. But, um, but what's, what's awesome is that at the time, Sergio, that house, Sergio's house was just a place that I attended. Uh, it was a place that I wasn't really comfortable in. It was a place that I felt awkward as in. It was a place that uh, I would hope to be offered something, like maybe a, one of Sergio's homemade salamis, which are incredible. Um, I had to wait till I was offered a drink. I couldn't get up and open the fridge. Like, that's a no-go zone uh, for an Italian family. Until you're in, you've got to wait for that. And uh, so, so it was awkward as, but uh, if you know anything about our journey, uh, the last six months we've been transitioning out of um, a home into an apartment and our apartment's been delayed so we had nowhere to live for a while and Sergio's house actually became my home. So for the last six months, me and Talia have been living with her parents, which has been incredible. Uh, Talia hasn't needed to cook, clean, wash. It's been great for her. Um, <laughs> The food is also amazing. Her mum's a great cook. And so we've been enjoying that. But the difference, the difference in this reality of, of Sergio's house becoming a home for me meant so many different amazing realities. Like walking into the garage and open up that salami stash and just going for it. Incredible. Uh, being able to walk into the fridge and seeing amazing home-cooked meals and just taking it and having to fight with uh, Talia's sister later about that because I took her food, which was meant for the next day. But when you're in the family, you're comfortable. When a house becomes a home, you now have access to everything that's in the home. And God's calling us as a church not to view, uh, not to view His house as just a place that we attend. Some, some of us come to church week in, week out, and we're like, oh, Man, I just hope that God would speak to me today. I hope that the Word would, would feed me today. I hope that I have an amazing worship experience today. I hope that I'd, I'd connect with someone and, and create a great friend. I, I, I hope, 
rather than knowing that this is a home. When you know this is a home, there's an expectation that rises in your spirit that goes, I'm going to go to God's house. I will get a word and I'll give a word. I'm going to go to God's house. I'll have an amazing experience in worship and God will give me something for someone else. I'm going to go to God's house and I'm not just going to find a friend. I'm going to be a friend. When, when God's house becomes a home, there's a different reality to it. We, we get, but we also get, have so much to give. And I absolutely love that. I love that when a house becomes a home, that we don't look at what needs to be fixed, that we don't see things from a negative perspective, that we don't come and try to be critical, but we look at how we can make things better, that we look at how we can bring who we are to the team, that we can bring our gifts, our talents, and see God's house or God's home become all that it's called to be. I love that when a house becomes a home, when I started going to Sergio, if something was dirty, I probably wouldn't clean it up or if something hit the floor now I'm at the holiday house and I grab the grab the um oh, I've gone blank the lawnmower out and I'm cleaning it up before Serge gets there I'm making sure that the holiday house is clean because it's now not just Serge's house it's my home there's a different reality that takes place and I'm a massive believer I'm just a huge believer even in my workplace and what everything I get to do I'm just a massive believer that we can either walk into a place and leave it as it is or walk into a place and see it become better. So this morning, I want to focus on a few things that the Bible says that the church is. And I think that's always an incredible way to start, as we've, as we've heard in the first week, that the Word of God is everything. It's what we build upon and precept upon precept, line upon line. We're continuing to, to go into the things of God. But the first thing that the church is, is that the church is a family. And the first thing that I want to focus on in the Bible is that a home isn't a home without a family that dwells within it. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17 says this, Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Love that part. Fear God and honour the emperor. But I love that reality. Love the family of believers. It's not, do you feel like loving the family of believers? Has the family of believers treated you perfectly? Um, everyone knows that in a family that you don't always nothing's perfect really like I grew up with uh, really close to my younger brother and we were anything but perfect growing up um, we were probably a nightmare for my mum always wrestling and wrestling is a nice word uh, to use but we we're always getting up to adventures and and coming home broken bones and it, it was just mayhem but the cool thing is is that no matter what my brother does no matter what mistakes, he's my younger brother as well, so that probably gives it a bit more context. But no matter what he does, I will always love him. I can, I work with my brother and we can rock up to work and, and, and sometimes it's, it's a high tense environment and sometimes my brother might say something to me. It doesn't matter what my brother ever says to me, how hard he offends me, I'm always going to forgive my brother because he's family. Because he's family. And it is our prerogative as the church to be family to believe in one another, to champion each other, to speak and see each other reach for the call of God's and our lives. And the thing about a family is, like I said, you see things that not everyone else sees. It's, the, the, it's, it's part of relationship that when you get into proximity that we're going to see things in each other that aren't perfect. But can I encourage you that don't let that be the thing that draws you away from relationship. Don't let other, the, the failures of each other, let that be the thing that actually goes, you know what, 
yeah, we, we all see things, but let's believe the best. Let's see the best. Let's see beyond each other's failures and call each other to more. Um, you know, we're only going only gonna to move forward because we're t- doing it together. I love Proverbs. It says that iron sharpens iron. And in that, in that whole analogy, it's that we actually become sharper together. That iron doesn't become sharp by just being singular. It's when you put the two together that they actually bring a sharpness. But being part of a family, as I said, is believing the best in each other. And uh, that's one of the reasons why we're so passionate here about, at Life about groups. I don't know if you've been to a group yet, but who, who loves groups? There's a whole bunch of people that are just into it, and I love it. Like from the moment that I walked into this place five, six years ago, uh, the first thing I did after attending Sunday was someone got me plugged into a group. Best thing I ever did. And the reason why we, we think groups are so incredible is because there's only so much relationship can be built here on a Sunday. And it's so important that we go beyond that. It's so important that together in groups that we, that we can go deeper into God's Word, that we can pray for each other, that we can do life together in a group. Like I love our young adults at the moment and, and we're all hanging out here on a Tuesday night and, and we get together in our groups and we just talk about what each other are going through. Sometimes it's just a conversation saying, how you doing, man? And all of a sudden that just opens up a whole reality where someone's going through something and we can just stand together, pray together and see that person have breakthrough. So you've got to hear that this morning. Like if you're not in a group, I can't encourage you enough. Make sure you find the group, find your fit and get into it. But the second thing that the church is, is that the church is a body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says this, For even as the body is one and yet has many members and all the, mem- and all the members of the body, though they are many, they are one body. So also is Christ. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, we were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not part of the body, it is not for this reason any less part of the body. I always tell myself that when I ask Nigel to let me up to worship lead. Constantly, I'm like, it's all right, go to 12 Corinthians, you'll feel better. He just tells me, mate, you don't got it. Stop asking me. Go away. I'm like, come on, man. I think I do. And then I I try to trial with Talia and she just just hits me with the truth. I'm thankful for a wife that does that. But if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? Imagine that. If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he has desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many many members, but one body. So the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, or the hand to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it's much truer that the members of the body, which seem weaker, are necessary. That's awesome. And those members of the body which deem less honourable are those we, be- and on no- these we bestow more abundant honour and less presentable members become so much more presentable. It's like the heart, hey? Like you can't see it, but it's one of the most important parts of our body. The mind. There's so many things that that you can't see, but you're so important. And that's the incredible part of the body. And I love this because this whole reality speaks to team. 
that God's not designed it to be a one-man show, but God's designed it to be a team. Like I love our 2020 vision because the 2020 vision that we have here at Life is so big and so grand that it's going to take a team. It's going to take an army. It's going to take a community that rises up and plays each and every part. It's not just Pastor Paul's vision. It's our vision. And when we all play our part of the team, we'll see what we're supposed to see. Uh, I grew up playing heaps of sports. Um, one of the sports that I loved to play was soccer. And uh, growing up playing soccer, like, it was amazing. There's so many different positions you played, but you literally had to play your spot. And even I remember Paul Fuller was our coach uh, back in the day. And uh, he would, I would be the last man, if you know what the last man was, and, and literally, like, the last point of defense. And I used to love it, but so, so many times in that position... You almost wanted to go up, kick a goal, and get the glory. That was the struggle. But the, the, the reality was that I had to play my part for the betterment of the team. You know, imagine a, a soccer game where the goalkeeper walks off mid-game and just goes, oh, I'm not needed here. All good. They've got it. They're doing well. I'll tell you, it wouldn't be long before a goal's kicked against that team and they'd start losing. And this is why week in, week out, like we're so passionate about building teams here. We're so passionate about saying, hey, every single person has a part to play. And I love what Pastor Nadia shared before about Next Steps and you hear it every Sunday that we're promoting it and that we're, that we're cheering people into it and that we're calling people into it. And it's not just some course that we run on a Sunday. Next Steps is, is like the funnel that gets you into a team. It gets you into a place where you discover, hey, where can I fit as part of the body? And it doesn't start and, sorry, it doesn't stop and end at Next Steps, but it starts there. It starts there because we get to go, okay, well, what's the vision of our house? What's the, what, what's the heartbeat of this family? And then week two talks about your design, your gifts, your purpose. And it actually starts to unravel you to go, hey, we're not, we don't just attend. As I said, it's not just a house that we attend, but it's a home. So when it's a home, I'm part, I'm on team, I'm jumping on it. You loving this this morning? It's good? Number three, the church is a priesthood. First Peter 2 verse 9 says this, one of my favorite scriptures, I absolutely love it. Peter says this, he says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. I just love that because right there, it's not by anything that we've done that we've become that. We didn't go through uh, a, a whole five-year journey as a Christian to come out and go, oh, you're now chosen and part of the royal priesthood. You're now holy. It's a reality of what Jesus has done on the cross that redeems us and, and brings about that reality and that position in our lives. But that you may proclaim, proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Don't you love that? We get to do this. And once you were not a, not a people, you weren't a people, you had no identity, but now you are God's people. Once you hadn't received mercy, and now you have received mercy. Come on, are you thankful for mercy this morning? And in the Old Testament, only certain men and women could be priests. And many people have grown up in church, churches where a, a, a priest was just one man and probably running around uh, dangling some... Um, it's uh, incense, there you go, a bit of smoke firing out. So we're not talking about that type of, that type of priesthood here. Um, but what we're talking about is that the whole idea of a priest is to stand in the gap between God and people. 
It's to be a mediator. It's to be somebody who sees people connect to God. And God has actually called each and every one of us. You, you could be a Christian for 10 minutes. You're in. You join the team. You now get to connect people to God. And it's not because of anything, anything of our goodness. It's all we're doing is pointing to His goodness, which I love about that. And the priests in the Old Testament, they would, they would stand in the gap of people who had walked away from Him, but then they would also serve people daily who were with God. It wasn't just about a couple hour service on a, like we do, like a Sunday service, but it was every day. And that's why the Bible now says that we're priests. Because the whole church is now called to bridge the gap through serving. And serving's got to be so part of who we are as Christians because it's literally the model of what Jesus came, came and showed us. And he calls us to that. And uh, that's why I, I love that reality of what, what, who we are as the church, that we're called to serve, that we're called to love. I love that we're doing Christmas box and I love the cookie giveaway because it's an opportunity for us to go, hey, let's serve, let's serve our community. I love Life Spring Festival. And it doesn't stop and end at these events, but, it's, but that's what we do collectively as a church. But I encourage you, come on, how are you serving people in your workplace? How are you serving people in your, in your schools and in your communities? How, how are we serving people when, when we go to the grocery store? Like We have an opportunity to serve wherever we go. Yeah. And we have an opportunity to serve each other. That's the cool thing as well is that it's not limited to just people who don't know God. It's that we can be the answer to someone who does know God. God, God wants to use us. And uh, I love like at 20, our 2020 vision also encompasses the reality of seeing $20 million per year going into community need. What an amazing picture when the church stands up and says, hey, you struggling? We can be an answer. Hey, homelessness, we can be an answer. Poverty, we can be an answer. And I love that reality because I love what Pastor Paul says. He says that his whole thing with the church is that it's, it's going to come to a place where whether you love the church, you despise the church, you're not into the whole church thing, that you can't sidestep her. She's going to be there in society. She's going to be providing an answer. She's going to be lifting up an answer in the darkness. Come on, are you excited for that reality of what we're a part of? It's incredible. But the fourth thing that the church is, is that the church is a bride. Ephesians 5.25 says this, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Probably one of the hardest things to do, hey? Like love it as Jesus, love it, not it, sorry. Love her um, as Jesus loved the church. It's incredible, this sacrificial love. It's just not about us. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the words, that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. And I love this whole picture of the church being the bride because it speaks to me like when, when and, and it kind of speaks like the whole, when Jesus is speaking in the Gospels, he always talks about a bride that he's coming back for, a bride that's being prepared. And if you've ever been married, you'll know that when, when you're going for marriage, like you're just pumped, you're excited. It's like the best day ever is coming, like literally and uh, you, you're in love and it's all, it's all the emotions are flying and it's incredible and it's an amazing time. And that's exactly how Jesus feels about the church. 
That's exactly how he sees the church. And he, and he uses that analogy for us so that we would see the church as his bride. That when he comes back, which he will soon do, that he'll come back and restore order, order in the earth, but he will come back for his bride. And I love that, that whole picture that Jesus paints is it's always about the bride being ready. That the bride is to be prepared. That the bride is to be ready. And uh, if you know, again, anything about a wedding like the, like the husband or f- for myself, like I wasn't really doing much to get ready for my wedding. Um, I just thought of rock up, look good. Talia like literally did everything. Like she planned everything. She tried to include me on it. I was like, yeah, that's great. Whatever you think, honey, that's incredible. I love it. Wow. Amazing. Because um, it's her day, yeah? Like, is anyone with me? And... Uh, and I love that because Bible doesn't say that we're the groom, which would be kind of like, you know, that not excited thing. But we're the bride. Yeah. We're the bride. Yeah. We're the bride, which God's calling us to be ready. God's calling us to get excited. God's calling us to prepare ourselves. That God's calling us to, 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 to prepare like a bride does for her wedding day. That we would, as he said, be clean. That we would be pure. That we would, that we would chase holiness. That even though sometimes that that isn't cool in our generation and that sometimes it wars against our happiness, that sometimes there's a reality where what we think will make us happy is at odds with what will make us holy, that we choose what's right. And it's not a reality of saying that oh, we're, we're trying to be perfect and that we're trying to get it all together, but there's a reality that God's grace saves us, but God's grace sustains us. And that God's love takes us from where we are, but He loves us way too much to leave us where we are. So He calls us to live clean and He calls us to live pure. And for some of us today, as I said, you may, you may see uh, the whole reality of church a little bit different because of experience. Maybe it hasn't been a perfect ride for you. I, I just pray and I encourage you, like, get in a group, jump in next steps. Jump on a team. Journey with people. Don't stay isolated. The best thing that we can do is do it together. The best thing that we can do is is allow people to speak words of life and words of healing. And I understand that trust is a journey. I understand that that coming to a place where you where you feel like those parts of your life may be are fully healed and that there's the trust is restored. It does take time. Like, I get that. But make sure that you're journeying with people with us. Ultimately, um, I want to bring it all back to Jesus. Because I believe that our revelation and understanding of the church is based upon our relationship with him. Matthew 16. Jesus just feeds the 5,000, which some people struggle to believe a miracle. But uh, if you want to see it, just come to Talia's Nonnas. It happens. It's uh, (laughs) She does it every week. And uh, he, he retreats with his disciples after this massive event has happened. And we pick up the story here. And Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi. And he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? They said to him, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and some say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, okay, I get that. That's what people say, who I am. I get that's what the world's saying. But more importantly which is a question for all of us, who do you say that I am? And Simon says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon, but Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is heaven. 
I also say to you that you are now Peter. Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. What an amazing promise, hey? But I love that reality because it was on that rock, that revelation, that understanding, that relationship with Jesus, that he goes, okay, we can build the church. And as I said earlier, like I grew up, not having it all, not, not loving the church in a sense, but the more I fell in love with Jesus, the more I got to know Jesus, the more I invited Jesus every day into my life saying, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want you. Jesus, I can't do this without you. The more I loved the church. And how amazing is that, hey, that Jesus doesn't ask us to, to love it perfectly from the start, but he says, hey, just go on a journey with me. Just work with me imperfections, scars, our brokenness and all. Jesus is now calling the church to be all it is called to be. He's calling us to not just attend a house, but to make a home. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.